Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Four seasons, over 30 incredible guests, hundreds of podcast recommendations. I'm your host, Laura Whitmore, and in this special series of Castaway, we'll bring you the best bits from our back catalogue, sharing those golden Castaway moments and throwing in those bingeable podcast picks we're all hungry for along the way. Welcome to Castaway, the best bits. Hello, Castaway listeners. We're back and here to celebrate all the podcasts our celebrity guests have raved about over the years. This week, through the lens of gripping, hard-hitting investigative journalism, Now, for investigative journalists, podcasts offer a space for storytelling like no other, a place to uncover mysteries, learn about some of the weird and wacky people in society, and shine a light on some of the most scandalous moments to date. So, starting off, we have Missing Richard Simmons, recommended by two castaway guests, Catherine Ryan and Jamie Lang. The show takes a look at the strange disappearance of one of the most accessible celebrities in the 80s, which was Richard Simmons. Uh, in the podcast, filmmaker Dan Taberski, who was a regular of Richard's fitness studio, Slimmons, clever, um, and also actually a friend of his, uh, he attempts to uncover where and why Richard suddenly disappeared. Let's have a listen. Sometimes with podcasts, I listen to the serious ones and I listen to a little bit of escapism, which brings me on to some of your podcasts. I'm going to talk about this one first, because this is one we did mention once before in the show a few weeks ago, and I'd never heard of it before. And it's Missing Richard Simmons. I think it was Jamie Lang because he was obsessed with Richard Simmons. And I was like, who's Richard Simmons? And then, like anything, as soon as someone gives me a recommendation, I go down the rabbit hole and I start watching and listening and finding out everything. How did you hear about this? And did you know who Richard Simmons was before the podcast? Isn't that funny? Of course I knew Richard Simmons. He's an institution of American and therefore Canadian television. He's like a a smaller, more camp, Ginger Joe Wicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Same that's a really good way of describing him. Yeah. Same hair. He was all across television. He had workout VHS tapes and my mm-hmm. mother would do them. One was called Sweat into the Oldies. And it's, he was like a Jane Fonda. I mean, like a Davina, you know, mm-hmm. the workout TV. And my mom would do those workouts. And I just loved that this was exercise but he was an incredibly funny man. And I just got so much value from it always. He's an institution of television. So he was everywhere. And, you know, you'd see him pop up. And I I remember Googling him and then realizing I'd seen him in films and he'd pop up everywhere. And then suddenly, Catherine, he's just disappeared. Right. And I needed to get to the bottom of this. I love a crime podcast. Unfortunately, a lot of those podcasts are to do with uh, people murdering women. I just got tired of dead dead women. And then I, I found one that had all the intrigue of a murder mystery podcast, but it was about this childhood icon who 
just went away one day. And it's, you know, did he decide to recede from the media? Is he being held captive by his maid? Is he in a cult? Where is Richard Simmons? Because he was absolutely everywhere. And then no one ever saw him again. What do you think happened to him? I think that fame is a mental illness. I think that sometimes you can be so overexposed as he was, especially back then. There were only three channels. So not very many people were on television. It's like in this country, if you were in EastEnders or Coronation Street early on, then you are famous. Mm -hmm. He was infamous. Mm -hmm. And I think it just, he reached an age, I think it probably just got the best of him. And he decided, I just want to go away for a while. I mean, that's the boring truth of it. I don't think he's being held hostage by his maid, though that is the interesting theory. Mm. Because they used to drive, you know, those Hollywood tour buses that they have in Los Angeles. They would always drive past his house. And he was so connected with people because he lost uh, probably 300 pounds himself. He had his own weight loss journey. He would very intimately connect with other Americans on their weight loss journeys. He'd come out and kiss them and hug them. He was very hands-on. So when the Hollywood tour bus would pass Richard Simmons' home, he would see it out the window and he would run outside and start greeting everyone on the bus. This was a daily occurrence. And then all of that just stopped one day. They'd drive past his house and he wouldn't come outside. So, I mean, it's all very strange. You can imagine, though, every day that would get a little bit too much. I mean... Wow. <laughs> I'm Dan Taberski. Three years ago to the day, Richard Simmons completely and inexplicably stopped being Richard Simmons. And I want to find out why. He may never talk to me. He may sue me or publicly excoriate me. But honestly, I'm good with all that except for the suing part. Why am I doing this? Because that year I got to know Richard made me even more fascinated than I was when I first proposed that documentary. I think he's important so much more so than his goofball public persona lets on. And also, because a lot of people who know him and whose lives have been changed by him, they're worried or angry or full of grief. Some want to save him. Some just want to know he's okay. So over the course of this series, I'm looking for Richard. I'm reaching out in any way I can and exploring every theory. The goal isn't to drag him back. It's to find out why someone like him would ditch the world. This is Missing Richard Simmons. Right next up, you'll hear the dulcet tones of a castaway friend and, from across the pond, Lance Bass. Lance talks about his love for S-Town, the investigative storytelling podcast made by the same team behind hit podcast Serial. Now, Lance was so enthralled that he even attempted to get the rights to make it into a TV show. Here's why Lance was so captivated with the story. With a lot of podcasts, sometimes, because they're so big right now, uh, like we're going to talk about Dirty John in a little while, but Start Out as a Podcast becomes a TV show. Yeah. Start Out as a Podcast becomes a book. Yeah. Is this the new way of doing things? It used to be a oh, book, then becomes a no, film. No, it's the best way because, you know, I also, I produce television and film. Yeah. And as a producer, it is so great because you get the best ideas from podcasts, which again, get turned into books, which mm. get turned into films or television shows. So it's a great way to be kind of one of the first to get onto a project. Mm-hmm. One of those projects, which I Desperately tried to get the rights to. Right as I heard the podcast was S Town. I don't yeah. know if you did. Ever... You try? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'm gonna, that's one of your suggestions here. Let's uh, move on to my, that one. S Town is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. It, I love storytelling like that. 
um, the character, you know, the lead guy in S Town, John, was just, oh, his 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 voice on the phone, his accent. What a what a great character. Yeah. So I knew I'm like, this will be an amazing TV show or film. We tried getting the rights. It was snatched up in like two seconds. So, but that one was just I, I love the storytelling mm-hmm. of podcasts like that. Um, for those who don't know S-Town or Shit-Town, yes. um, it is a podcast from Serial and This American Life. It's hosted by Brian Reed, who he's just got that voice that you trust. Mm-hmm. You know, in everything mm-hmm. you do, you're kind of following him on his journey. Right. Basically, it's about this man named John who we talk about, who despises his Alabama town, decides to do something about it. And it's just, it kind of starts off, they're very, not going to give too much away, um, but it starts off talking about this clockmaker, the very, very start of S-Town. Like master clockmaker. Master clockmaker. And how if a clock breaks down, because it's so old, you kind of have to go back and find, well, was it, did someone try to fix it? That was fixed the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. you kind of go back through it. And then suddenly it goes like a murder. It's a murder. And suddenly you realize, actually, this is a murder story. This is not about a clock. Uh And it just sucks you straight in. It does. John? Hello. Hi, it's Brian. Hey. Here we are. This is happening. <laughs> it's all, that, that awkward moment of silence when you realize after about a year, it finally happened. When I make this call, it's been a year since John first emailed. We'd written back and forth a couple times over the months, but we'd never talked. Until one day, he sent me a message, and this time it had a link to a news report. The news story was about a sergeant with the Bibb County Sheriff's Department. Bibb County is where John lives who'd been indicted for pulling women over and forcing them into sexual acts, both on the side of the road and back at the station. Another guy allegedly helped cover up this abuse. I thought, if corruption like this existed in the Bibb County Sheriff's Department, then maybe the other rumor John had written to me about could also be true. Then maybe it was possible a murder had happened, and had then been covered up. So, finally, I get him on the phone, and we talk for a while. Yeah, you know, I, my life is kind of a, a nut house because I take care of my mom that has Alzheimer's, and we're in about our seventh or eighth year of that. So sorry about the other day when you tried to call and all hell had busted loose. No, I'm sorry you course, have to deal with that. I'm sorry. And, of course, losing the dog the other week, that didn't help. You know, I take in strays, which shouldn't surprise you. You know, considering where I live, you shouldn't be the least bit surprised that these people out here just dump their dogs out on the side of the road. At one time, I've had as many as 21. I got 14 now. Well, 13, yeah. So that was that was really hard because that was an old dog and a good dog. But, yeah, that's another one of my projects that I take on. I'm sort of the local humane society. For me, I grew up in Mississippi right next door, so I really related to this shit town (laughs) Um, because I came from a place just like it. Um, So in listening to this, I could really relate, you know, to this guy, and and I knew knew people in my town that were just like him. Um, And so it just, I don't know, I just, maybe that's why I fell in love with it more than most people, just Mm -hmm. because I just, I just really related to this little town. Now for Bridgerton's finest, Nicola Coughlin, who featured on our second series of Castaway and shared similar experiences with me of moving to London from small towns in Ireland, as well as our shared love for podcasts. In Nicola's episode, she told us about a fantastic show called The Mystery Show, the investigative series that looks into the smaller, peculiar mysteries that remain unsolved. Here's what Nicola particularly loves about it. 
I'm still amazed by every time I ask people to do this podcast that I'm getting new podcasts all the time that I haven't even heard of. And I want to talk about one because I listened to me and Ian actually listened to one this morning and we loved it. Mystery show. I'd never heard of this podcast before. Isn't um, it so good? And there's only six episodes. It was hosted by a girl called Starly, uh, started in 2015. And tell me a little bit about what it is. So Mystery Show, it's unlike any other podcast you'll ever listen to. There's only that one series of it, really, sadly. I think they tried to do another one and it didn't work. But basically, it's where this girl called Starly Kine, people send her in these mysteries of things they can't solve. Like one is that someone found a belt buckle in a bush. <laughs> so they're not your, they're not your average, because I've listened to a lot of like uh, The Perfect Murder and The uh, Last Days of August and all these like big mysteries of what happened or who did it. Well, these are more, more smaller mysteries in everyday life. <laughs> yeah, they're just like things that are not Googleable, and you can kind of, and they always end up opening up these crazy backstory so the belt buckle one it was like this belt buckle that had a toaster on it that you clicked it and up came a piece of toast and they were like we want to find out whose belt this was and then another one was about Jake Gyllenhaal's height was that the first one did you listen to that one what's the Jake Gyllenhaal one she couldn't find out what his real height was because every website (laughs) listed a different height so she went on this like big mission to find out what height he was. It, it's just so charming and it's so different. And they have another one where this author had seen a paparazzi photo of Britney Spears from like years ago where she was holding a copy of her book, but she's not a well-known author and not like, you know, she was like, how the hell did Britney Spears get my book? I don't know what the connection mm. is. So they investigated that, but it's just something really charming and comforting about it. It's It's so good. It kind of goes back to the human mind and the curiosity of the human mind to to get to the bottom of something. Even the things at the very beginning of the show, they say, find out why he never called you back. Do you know that guy that never called you back? <laughs> yeah. Was it me or was it him? <laughs> yeah. um, the one I listened to was about the video store. So it was this girl who had... Remember video stores back in the day, if you're if you're uh, old enough to remember them, <laughs> the blockbusters and all that. And she had rented a video and then, you know, you pay whatever it is overnight. She went to return it the next day and the video shop was gone. Just gone. Just disappeared completely. The building was there, but it was... And she was like, what happened to that video shop? And uh, there's such little stories, but just how... I think it's how she tells the stories as well. You, you just get hooked. Here's what I think is weird about the whole thing. Okay. The store did not look like it was going to be gone. There were other people there. There were movies on all the shelves. The way Laura tells it... The next night, it was as though the video store never existed. The building itself was still there, but the windows were covered with brown craft paper. And behind them, Laura could see that the inside of the store had been completely emptied out. Even the shelving units were gone. What had been a thriving business had overnight become a shuttered storefront. I asked Laura if she had any relevant clues. I remember the woman who helped me had a mustache, a very Mm. strong mustache. In a way that was working or wasn't working? It's very rare that I think that it works on a <laughs> mm-hmm. Rita Kahlo rocked it. Um, you know, Brezhnev's wife, I seem to recall, having a mustache. But usually I think it's a tough call. Mm-hmm. So the mustache girl said nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I still had a card to rent. I became a member. The day before it closed. The day before it closed, and she didn't say anything like, why don't you write this in pencil? Just <laughs> <laughs> do it. Write it in the air. Sign a signature in the air. And how do you know it was the next day? Because I remember what movie it was, and I can remember and tell you why I returned it the next day. Go for it. Must Love Dogs. Oh. I rented Must Love Dogs. 
And the reason I know that that's the movie is because I now own Must Love Dogs. And I did not love dogs. <laughs> I, did, I must not, must love dogs. And you don't return movies late? No, never. Because, no. see, if I was telling the story, it could it could have been a year later. Oh, no, no. That is so against my nature. And did they ever call you or contact you or send no. you a letter? They didn't say, we've shut our doors. The bank would like to know what happened to must love dogs. <laughs> Do you have it, Laura? <laughs> and can you believe that Christopher Plummer asked his daughter out on a date? Did you get creeped out by that? <laughs> She's a, such a brilliant storyteller. Like, I feel like if there was any time for that podcast to come back, it would be now. I'm like, we need stuff like that right now. That would be great. Right, next up, the iconic photographer Rankin chats about his favorite genres, the three S's, suspense, storytelling, and scandal. Amongst many of his amazing recommendations was The Last Days of August and The Butterfly Effect by John Ronson. Both investigative series look at the effect of porn on society, including the last days of porn star August Ames before she sadly took her own life. Now, in our conversation together, Rankin and I chat about how John Ronson really pulls you into the storytelling and the effect that creating his shows has had on the man himself. I think you can tell a lot about a person by what they listen to. And I'm always surprised um, by what people listen to. There's a lot of crime there's a lot of scandal there's a lot of real life um, mm. a lot of stories in there I'll go first actually to the first podcast I want to talk about mm. which is The Last Days of August mm. which is brought to us by John Ronson uh, the creative Audible original and this is basically about a uh, porn star August Ames who died by suicide back in December 2017 I work a lot so in my free time I really just I chill out I have my two cats Kush and Ninja I shop at Target, you know? Like, I, Who doesn't I shop at Target? Target's the best. Target. Target. <laughs> like, I'm normal, you know, with just, like, a, a little crazy job. <laughs> <laughs> I love your snort, by the way. <laughs> so speaking of your dorky, silly I mean, personality, we see a lot of that on your Twitter profile, which, by the way, for those listening, what where can oh. we find you on Twitter? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at AugustAmesXXX. That's A-M-E-S-X-X-X. We just spent a year making a podcast about the tech takeover of the porn industry. This was me and my producer, Lena. We'd found a porn world that seemed like a kind of family. People looked out for each other. We left in the summer of 2017 when our reporting was done. And six months later, something terrible happened. I mean, it's dark. Mm. Do you do you find your kind even with what you read and what you listen to? Is this the kind of things that you like to listen to in your dark t- in your dark time in your mm-hmm. in your downtime? In my downtime. In your dark downtime. My dark downtime. No, um, podcasts are things that I have to be recommended. Um, and with John Ronson, I, I, I read this book. Uh, audiobook Mm -hmm. uh, that he'd written called You've Been Publicly Shamed Mm -hmm. and it was possibly one of the best books on social media I'd read back when I read it and um, and it just kind of made me want to read other things and then I think somebody recommended The Last Days of August and it wasn't really kind of the subject matter that was interesting me it was the rabbit hole of the subject that really interested me 
I think it's the same with a lot of the ones I, I read. I love the intrigue of of real life and how that can go from here to there to that to wow, how the hell did that happen? That fascinates me. So um, with this one, I mean, it's really, it's such a strange... It sucks you in, doesn't it? It pulls you in so much because the intrigue and the way that John... Ronson does it it's so he's got so much empathy but then he's a little bit unempathetic at the same time mm-hmm. so you really it's quite he almost has to p- p- persuade himself yeah. to be empathetic yeah. because he's quite um it's like a, a problem that he's solving so he's literally like doing a rubik cube and, and not understanding it and then wanting to be empathetic but at the same time but I need to understand what actually happened. So I just loved it so much and, and it's made me kind of want to go on and read more more by him. But um, And also the other thing is The Last Days of August comes from another thing he did called The Butterfly Effect. Yes. And The Butterfly Effect, if you're interested at all in the digitisation of sort of society, he does it through pornography. And the the idea that a whole industry kind of, probably the first industry that got influenced by digital uh, apart from music was turned upside down by one Swedish dude or Danish dude I can't remember and the way it happened and the way that that affected all of these people in this industry it's nothing to do with porn at all really and and actually the last days of August isn't really either it's about the humanity mm-hmm. of the people in it and I and those two things are just so they really pull you in and so the last days of August is kind of an extension of the butterfly effect and the butterfly effect again it's like such an amazing piece but they're so eloquent about what they're talking about and you're just going wow that's not why i expected because honestly i don't really watch porn and i've never so i'm not interested in who porn stars are and i've never read even the hierarchy in in there because i I was like a lot of the names i was like and i actually became obsessed afterwards i started googling who they were (laughs) what did they look like like? there's one guy in it who's a massive um male porn star and in my head i had this like six foot like you know eight pack big guy and then i googled his picture and he was actually quite a small guy so funny i did exactly the same i I became obsessed with that and what do they look like they're huge on the scene because they're chatting and they're very of every day but yeah. so eloquent and hey hi John how are you yeah. like and you're just like wow you, that's what you do for uh, a yeah. living and then when you get sort of deep into why they do it for a living it's some some, some of it's so sad so no I think it's a really um, fantastic lens on something that I didn't know about really but also on the human, human. condition yeah yeah, yeah and, I love and, it and even um, John himself you can tell like from the start he doesn't really know how this is going to no, end no not at all um, and it's over quite a long time and actually on Russell Brand's podcast um, John Ronson said that his ethical dilemmas and anxiety about making the show he ended up having he uh, was diagnosed with a thing called situational depression that makes sense um, yeah I used to have a pathological terror of if I, if I was in America and I couldn't get my wife on the phone, um, I would immediately be convinced that she was dead and I would experience all the emotions of, you know, grieving. Um, and uh, one time before cell phones, this is how long ago this was, I was actually when I was writing them and, and I was in Washington DC to meet Big Jim Tucker, who was going to help me infiltrate the Bilderberg group. I uh, couldn't get my wife on the phone. 
I was I was at this hotel in DC for one night and I phoned and phoned and phoned and I phoned like the police and I phoned the uh, neighbours and the next morning when I checked out the hotel my phone bill came to $900 for for, for one night of panic that was the that was the numerical value of my anxiety that night $900 was like, yeah. of panic so when I got to meet it would have been cheaper for you to have done loads back. of drugs <laughs> yeah. or flown back yeah <laughs> or, got, or, got, or got someone to go around <laughs> The other thing is, is it's that 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 John's kind of more. He's not. Um, I don't know John. I don't. I'm calling him John. You feel um, like you know yeah, them though, because you know, you've yeah, been on this journey. My with mate them. John. Um, John's. Uh, uh, sorry, John again. Uh, John's Ronson's approach to what he does is more of a kind of philosophical kind of pop ed. You know, it's much more. He's not normally this crime mm. reporter or journalist, or he's not going on. He, that's not his thing. So he suddenly finds himself in the middle of this criminal investigation, and he and he feels like it's totally been mishandled. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he, and he, he kind of you can hear him breaking down with his producer whilst he's doing it. And in fact, when you're listening to his producer do some of the interviews, you're like, he couldn't do it. I don't think he could do that interview because he's too close to it. Yeah. And um, that's the interesting thing for me as well as him, his, his perception of it all. I mean, that's a great one. And thank you for the recommendation because I hadn't listened to that. And I um, I told you this already. I listened to the whole thing in one day. Well, listen to the butterfly effect yeah. as well, because it will blow your mind. Like, And it's such a brilliant kind of petri dish kind of example of like what's happened to us all and i keep saying to people that you can't look at the world now with the lens of even three years ago because it's such a massive shift and this uh, butterfly effect really it, it describes exactly why that's happened ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ah, remember all the shows we binged watched during the many lockdowns? I became totally obsessed with Tiger King on Netflix, both as a TV show and also the podcast series. And I wasn't alone because our amazing next guest, Monroe Bergdorf, listed this as one of her absolute favourite shows. Here's Monroe in her own words as to why she finds the show totally mind-blowing. Speaking of the Tiger King, um, because there is a podcast, uh, Joe Exotic Tiger King podcast, it was actually 
um, released before the the big documentary on Netflix and before that all blew up. Um, it was the second season of a podcast series called Over My Dead Body. But uh, they've decided to re-release it because they've seen the space in the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, there's even more insight. There's extra little interviews and it's just, I, I can't even begin, Monroe, to tell you how obsessed I became with this. And now I feel dirty for being so obsessed with it because it's, what happens in that show, it, it, like no one in that show is particularly a nice person. And I, I feel for the animals more than anyone else, but it's, it's just so enthralling. It's mind-blowing. Mm. Uh, it's just so mind-blowing. It's re- and um, it's real. You can't make up the stuff. If this was a drama I watched, I thought that would be far-fetched. Absolutely. Um, and this show really does just add a next, an extra layer to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it fills in the gaps and develops on lots of WTF moments, mm-hmm. like um, with Carol Baskin, who, if you've watched Tiger King, is such a gay icon. Like, she's amazing, <laughs> but also controversial, shall we say. So there's a scene where she meets her late husband and he is following her in his car. She's just had a fight with her current husband in the kitchen and she's thrown a potato at him and he got abusive. So she fled the house and she's walking the streets and her new love interest and soon to be husband follows her in his car and um, has a gun on the seat and tells her to get in the car and says, you can point this gun at me throughout this whole trip. I just want to spend time with you, basically. She does it. And it's just really unsettling to um, hear what she's gone through to get to the point of where she was at in the documentary. But it's just really, really interesting. I just, I love people. I just love hearing how people get to situations when they're in extraordinary circumstances. And I think a lot of people really gravitated either towards Carol or away from Carol. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people didn't really see her how I see her. I definitely saw her as a victim, but also highly manipulative and just a very layered woman. And we don't really see those layers in a lot of um, female anti-heroes. I feel like it's a real demonization a lot of the time, but we really got to understand how Carol got to where she got. And this podcast really does deconstruct the journey of Carol Baskin a lot more. Over the years, Joe had made a lot of enemies, but there was one who kept him up at night. Paige would just always call her names like that crazy bitch, that hateful bitch. It was always something bitch. That woman was Carol Baskin. All he talked about was, you know, that she won't leave him alone. For five years now, Carol had been threatening to shut down Joe's zoo and destroy all that he had built. He said he needed somebody that was really good with a gun that could take her out. And now Joe was ready to put an end to it. And I said, you need a sniper. And he's like, why, you have one? I said, actually, I do. The one thing that I'm so flabbergasted about when it comes to this is when, when someone makes a documentary, it's it's all about you know trying to get as much information, as much content as possible. There's so much content for for the Joe Exotic Tiger King podcast, and even for the documentary we watched on television. But the amount of recordings, the amount of interviews, and everyone gave up so much. The fact that you can kind of follow her journey of what happened with her her ex husband that they give up everything because normally when you're doing an interview with somebody. 
uh, I even know from my journalist days, it's just so hard to get any information. They are giving every single bit away. It's kind of a documentary maker's dream. I know. It's just amazing, isn't it? It's, it's, everybody's just so candid and um, forthcoming. But at the same time as being candid and forthcoming, you do question about what is truth. Yeah. And um, what's been embellished to fit their narrative, which makes it all the more interesting. <laughs> and I think one thing that you raised there is like something to listen to with other people, because everyone has an opinion on this and everyone's opinion is different. Everybody, um, you know, some people are team Joe, some people are team Carol. And at the end of the day, they've both done really questionable things. And so it's, I don't think necessarily that they're people that we should be 100% celebrating, but they definitely tap into a zeitgeist and they're really interesting. You know, Joe Exotic's a gay Republican, gunslinging, big cat owning. A musician, <laughs> country singer. <laughs> country singer <laughs> with two husbands that aren't gay it's just really interesting um, <laughs> interesting is the word isn't it it's really interesting but yeah um it's also interesting to see the progression of his character mm-hmm. and how he seems quite like he actually cares about the animals at the beginning yeah. and how he moves into you know not really caring about the animals at all and just wanting to defame and bring about the downfall of Carol Baskin. And Carol Baskin essentially ruins people's lives to get to Joe. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to see how a feud can deconstruct somebody's, somebody's character in a negative way as well. Next up, I'll be using the excellent term podumentary which Jessie Ware brought onto my radar when she recommended Dolly Parton's America. Now, this podumentary tells of the life and times of Dolly Parton, as well as sharing historical context at the time of her fame. Here's Jessie explaining what made the show a lockdown listen for her. No one else has mentioned this. This is series three and no one else has mentioned this yet. And I'm really happy you did. It's Dolly Parton's America. Because let's be honest, Dolly Parton is... The one thing that unites the world that nobody, Absolutely. nobody can say they don't like Dolly Parton. Well, this, I mean, have you listened to this podcast yet? Yeah, I did. Actually, I started uh, during lockdown. It must have been up at the top at iTunes. It was like one recommended. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. It was, I mean, I think I heard about it potentially. I feel like I get a lot of recommendations from the high low. They're always really good. And I think they're quite on the money with their recommendations. But I remember, maybe it was the same because I started in lockdown too. So maybe Mm. I'd seen it at the top of the charts too or something. Mm -hmm. But Dolly Parton's America is fantastic. Now, I didn't know that much about Dolly Parton. I'd watched her at Glastonbury. I was really fascinated by this. It's a brilliantly executed podcast, which, I mean, it's totally different to what I do what this is, I guess, it's a documentary, it's a podcumentary, mm. whatever, I don't know what you'd call it, podcumentary, whatever. So it's a real exploration into this, this journalist's interest and love for Dolly Parton and the kind of the historical context of when Dolly came out and her music, the, the importance. You know, you learn that when Nelson Mandela was on Robben Island in jail, him and his inmates uh, would listen to Jolene over the big sound. And that wow. became kind of almost like their anthem. And just how she unites everybody. My favorite story on this idea actually came 
just moments before deadline. This morning. Actually. This morning. It was this morning. <laughs> that's how close we're cutting it on the song. Oh, my gosh. Tell us about it. Totally different context than the other stories. Um, I hopped on the phone with this guy named Tokyo Seshwale. Hello. This is Tokyo, right? Hello there. I can hear you very well. Hello there. Oh, lovely. That's great. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. From New York? Yeah. Where are you exactly? I'm, I'm, I'm in Johannesburg. He was a freedom fighter in South Africa during the apartheid regime. I went underground to join the freedom forces to eliminate apartheid. Apartheid was the system of racial segregation in South Africa. Tokyo joins the armed resistance movement. He gets caught, sent to Robben Island, which is a prison, finds himself in the cell directly next to Nelson Mandela, who is the leader of the entire resistance movement. He told me how they were tortured, how they were beaten. But eventually, after many, many years... He said that at a certain point, the guards allowed Mandela to play music over the loudspeakers for the entire prison. And when I asked whose songs he'd play, he said... Dolly. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Absolutely. Not only Nelson Mandela, all of us. Dolly. Dolly. <laughs> the Western Dolly. Dolly sang from the heart. Do you remember which Dolly songs were played? Do you remember one do of... I remember the... which? Yeah, do you remember one of the Dolly songs that you heard Nelson Mandela play? He loved Jolene. Oh, wow. He loved Jolene. I just think about... A night at Robben Island in the dark when Jolene is playing over the loudspeakers. The prisoners hear it in their cells. On the other side of the wall, the guards are listening too. And both groups of people are are, are having the same experience. No human being cannot be affected by, by, by Jolene. According to Tokyo, this song is not about love, like Nadine would say. It's about fear of someone taking your man, of, of losing everything. The prisoners feel that because they've lost their freedom. And the guards feel that because their country's changing and they can sense they're about to lose power. Both are feeling the same fear, but for very different reasons. It's a really fascinating podcast that I would listen to when I was running. And I really believe she got me to that 5K mark because it's just a fantastic, fantastic podcast. I'm the worst runner in the world, by the way. But it's just really brilliant. And it's so well done. And with such enthusiasm and research, I think it's really worthwhile. Last but not least, we have a fantastic recommendation from TV presenter and good friend of mine, Kate Thornton, who explained why she couldn't stop listening to real-life drama series The Dropout. You know, it's a good one when it involves a con woman who manages to make it onto the cover of Forbes magazine. It's a bonkers must-listen. Here's Kate explaining the sheer craziness of the story. I think, Kate, you can't make up real life. Nothing is as mad or crazy or interesting as real people. And the next thing I want to talk about is the dropout. Oh, my God. Have you listened? 
Do you know what? I started it because I haven't listened to it before. And you sent me, I think you sent me this list about a week or two, two weeks. It was yeah. two weeks ago or so. And that was one of the first ones I started looking because I've, I've listened, some of them I've listened to already. And I just read the synopsis initially because I love, I love a lot of murder and crime. And this is not necessarily murder, but it's real life. It's crime. It's just the stories. And I love, I just love it. And, um, you know, they're making a, a show about it. Are they? Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Kate McKinnon. Do you know Kate McKinnon from SNL? She's going to be playing yeah. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, my God. I mean, it is the most extraordinary con job in modern times. I mean, this woman, she was faking it and making it at the same time. I say fake it till you make it, but this is a little bit too far. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is off the scale ridiculously. <laughs> like, how the hell did she get away with it? She was, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say an incredible fraud, but it sounds like a compliment and it's not. What she did was terrible. But she conned people into funding. I mean, she was on the cover of Forbes magazine. Right? How, how much credibility does that lend you when mm-hmm. Forbes magazine endorsed the fact that you are out there claiming that you are going to change the face of modern medicine? And she had all of these incredible people, people that had been innovators at Apple and members of of the then Senate in America, big politicians endorsing her. And she was full of crap. I mean, Walmart had placed, I think it was Walmart, placed the most extraordinary order from her. And even then, under the scrutiny of somebody like that, she's still pulling it off, even though her product didn't work. We are on the record at the beginning of media number one, volume one. This is the testimony of Elizabeth Holmes going on the record in San Francisco, California at 9 o'clock a.m. on July 11th, 2017. Ms. Holmes, please raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. That's the voice of Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of healthcare company Theranos and once the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. Are you appearing here today pursuant to the subpoena? I am. She's giving testimony under oath in the summer of 2017. She's sitting in what looks like an empty conference room, her blonde hair pulled back in a messy bun. Her eyes are wide and unblinking. She's sitting across from 12 attorneys being grilled as the government investigates whether she helped orchestrate an elaborate years-long fraud. Did it concern you that a number of tests weren't working on Theranos' devices? Look, I, I, I know that we made mistakes. Not so long ago, Elizabeth was Silicon Valley's rising star. A healthcare pioneer is being compared to visionaries like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs this morning. Her face was plastered across magazine covers. She was on TV all the time. This is a revolutionary company that threatens to change healthcare the same way that Amazon changed retail, or Intel and Microsoft changed computing, or Apple, yes, changed the cell phone. It could be that huge. Her technology was poised to change healthcare forever. Do you want to know? about every element of your health? Most people would say yes. Here she is being interviewed by Bill Clinton. You founded this company 12 years ago, right? Tell them how old you were. I was 19. Do you know what it makes me think about as well? Just how 
like just fake news and what we read and what we believe. And yeah. there's a lot of people in power, you know, ruling and uh, running big nations that say things that we just believe. And and similar to, th- to this woman, and if someone's confident enough and says something, you believe them. I mean, you if you read it on paper, mm-hmm. you of course you believe it. When you see her talk, you believe mm-hmm. her. But the, the story was, it, it, she was a former, I mean, Silicon Valley kind of poster girl, I suppose. And she was the youngest self-made female billionaire. So, I mean, when I say she was she was a con artist, actually, you know, with bells on, a female billionaire, the youngest self-made. And, you know, that's why Forbes were all over her. And she mm-hmm. dropped out of Stanford to launch her own company, claiming that her technology could detect hundreds of diseases from a couple of drops of blood that were so simple to administer that this was going to revolutionise and change the face of modern medicine. And because she'd been this kind of, you know, because she had the billion dollars behind her and the endorsements and the Forbes magazine cover, people really believed it until some people on her team started to smell a rat. And she was aggressive in shutting them down. I promise you, once you start listening to this, you'll go into a Google rabbit hole. And I think I lost about two nights of my life to just <laughs> Googling the crap out of Elizabeth Holmes. That's the dropout. And it was a three-year investigation to compile yeah. this this podcast. It was a lot of research. And yeah, listen to it for yourself. And I love everyone who listens to it will probably take something different from it. Hey. Rebecca, Rebecca Jarvis, who's the host of it, she's brilliant as well. It's, it's a great she's story really how it's good. told. I think, you know, sometimes we have to celebrate as well that that that, that level of effort and commitment mm-hmm. and work to, to telling a really, really important story. I know. Maybe there'll be an, do you know, I'd love like an updated podcast. Because sometimes they do. I, do you know what I bet as well? I bet when this uh, TV series comes out, there'll be more. Because similar with, um, you know, the Tiger King and Carol Baskin and yeah. all that. There was a podcast yeah. years ago. And then since the documentary on Netflix obviously was huge and everyone was watching it, they've now kind of brought out some more podcodcasts and extra episodes. So I, I oh. think we'll see more uh, about this story in the next few years. I think so next too, year or so. because, because there, there really hasn't been anybody like her before mm-hmm. or since really in terms of what she, she got away with. Incredible, incredible. Please go and listen. Thanks so much for tuning into this special episode of Castaway. Remember to tune in next Thursday for another edition covering a whole new selection of juicy podcasts. As always, we'd love you to rate, review, follow and subscribe. And I'll see you next time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.